0: Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. Thanks for listening to The Tour Coach. These are the players, coaches, experts, stories, and insights from my work on the PGA Tour at my retreats or my downtown teaching center in Mobile, Alabama. My goal is to shed light and share insights from the people who I've gotten to know and meet working on the PGA Tour and teaching through my career. And I hope this helps all of us play, coach, and teach better golf. If you like what you hear, please give us a good review and take a look at our new Dew Sweepers YouTube channel or the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, where I've taken some time to share videos of help from my teachings, travels, and journeys. joining me here on another Tour Coach podcast as I'm once again driving down with the dog and my son down to the Keys, Jeff Smith, Radar Golf Pro, and if there is anybody that deserves to be on a podcast called Tour Coach, it is for sure you, because I get things I'm out there a lot if I see you a lot, but you're out there all the time, and it seems to me since the lockdown, you're on the road all the damn time, Jeff. How's it going, buddy?
1: Hey, I'm very well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I've traveled I have traveled more this year probably than ever in any of my years previously on tour. Part of that is because I've I've got more players on tour than I, that I've had and then also uh COVID has had, you know, had a bit a bit to do with that earlier with golf courses being shut down and and things of that nature, but yeah, it's uh it's been a it's been a busy last 12 to 14 months for sure.
0: You know, it's interesting, and this is probably a topic for another podcast, but you and I talked at Memorial, I think it was. We were sitting there in the lobby, and, you know, COVID's had an interesting effect on what we do, too. Golf courses have gotten so busy. I think they've forgotten a little bit at times some of the clubs and courses, the influence that folks like us have in bringing people out and just assume that this rush is going to last forever, (laughs) you know. It's an interesting time to be a golf teacher. I know you and I talked about that.
1: For sure. You know, I've seen it happen kind of all over the country of, you know, with people being home from work, you know, a lot of businesses have changed where people are working from home now. And so golf has kind of been the benefit of that. And, you know, every course in Las Vegas is literally busier than they ever have. I mean, they're all kind right. of breaking, breaking records for numbers of rounds played, breaking records for range balls sold. So people are just really, you know, kind of pouring into golf and golf's experiencing kind of a boom there. And I think all these golf properties have been the have been the benefit of it you know in terms of selling rounds of golf and range balls and things of that nature so i'm not sure that it will last i think at the end of the day you know golf and these golf properties the success of 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 those properties generally stems from you know the grassroots efforts of teachers and coaches and, and golf pros helping grow the game and you know that's kind of what the pga of america is all about and You know, things like the First Tee and and all these different programs that attract people to the game is is what's going to give the game, you know, a long-lasting, healthy outlook, if you will, versus just this short-term boom that we experienced because of COVID.
0: There's a lot of people owning golf courses and stuff banking on that boom that it's going to last. And I, I think I'm kind of with you. I, I I think that we've obviously grown the you know, the game's picked up some people, but like, I, I just, and I hope it does because it's how we make a living. But I, I just don't see that it, like these rounds as crazy as they are are going to stay like that forever. I just, you know, it just seems like it's, that just seems unattainable to me. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you know, unless, unless technology has evolved in a way with which we're not, you know, necessarily looking at, you know, I, I think that a lot of companies have figured out that they can save money, you know, by having people work from home and be just as productive. True. And if if that's the case, then, then, then golf definitely could be a benefit, you know, benefactor of that. So hope, hopefully it is, and hopefully it continues to boom and grow like that. But at the end of the day, you know, like I said, those everyday grassroots efforts are, are what pe- generally keeps people coming back to a property over and over and over the relationships they build with their coach you know the the for for a lot of people they enjoy the journey of trying to get better just as much as like going out and playing around the golf
0: yeah i agree 100 percent. and i don't think course owners necessarily hate to sound like i'm bashing them this but i had a bad experience with one but but like i don't think they understand the value of that and how many of the people that spend money on golf are like that, like that they really value a really like a great instructor and they value having somebody that they're on that journey with. Like to me, I think there's some people that that's as important or more important than going and playing golf five times a week. I would
1: agree with you. You know, I've got clients that, you know, that I've taught since, since I started teaching and they Mm -hmm. still come to me and still take lessons. And sometimes I feel like it's like, okay, I've given you this lesson a hundred times and they really don't care they just it's the it's the companionship it's you know it, it's just them spending time with you like that's sometimes they they just want that experience they don't necessarily want you know some, some technical piece of information or you know they just they enjoy kind of the, the chase of uh, of getting better and learning new things
0: Talked about you. You mentioned, like, you know, people that started with you when you first started. Get teaching. How did you get into teaching? And talk about your journey to where you are now. I think lots of young and up and coming teachers seem to listen to this podcast, and you know, uh, and I get lots of messages from folks, and they ask, "How do you end up?" I I don't know that I ever started out thinking I would end up teaching tour players, nor did I ever end up thinking I'd be having a damn podcast. But like, how did you get to where you are? I mean, where did you start? (laughs)
1: That's kind of a a lengthy lengthy conversation because my journey is pretty absurd, to be honest. I I don't know that I've ever heard of a story similar to mine to where, you know, growing up in high school, I was a pretty good athlete. I lettered in a bunch of different sports in high school, and, and I always had a passion for sort of understanding how each sport worked. Whether it was basketball, I was going as deep into that as I could, whether it was baseball. I was trying to understand all the X's and O's there. And so I knew that at the end of the day, when I got out of school, I was going to probably end up coaching something at some point. And Mm -hmm. I was a, you know, I was a decent player as a junior, nothing special, you know, PGA tour wasn't in my future. I knew that right away. And, but I had a very curious mindset around golf and understanding the sport at the highest level and, and trying to understand instruction. So You know, that took me moving from Tennessee, as soon as I got out of school, all the way across the country, packed up my stuff and moved to Southern California. And that's kind of where I got my start. And golf is out in Palm Springs, literally just working outside services, you know, parking cars, valet, picking the range, you know, doing all that, doing all that stuff Where where you start in this industry. And, you know, from there, realized after a couple of seasons in Palm Springs that it was incredibly seasonal. And let everyone left left there. I mean, it just it was like a ghost town. And so you pretty much had nothing to do all summer, and you know you'd go broke. So I, I moved to the next <laughs> biggest biggest <laughs> golfing population, which was Las Vegas, and um, yeah. figured out pretty quickly like, wow, golf's year round here. Doesn't matter if it's you know 100 degrees. It, you know Vegas is much cooler than than say Palm Springs. It's it's at altitude here, so you know, our hot summers are going to be in the 105 ballpark. And I realized pretty quickly, wow, like golf's year round here. They don't shut it down. I mean, I'm busier in the summer than I am any other time of the year. So it was just kind of a natural, natural move here. But my first, you know, solid teaching experience in Vegas was a buddy of mine opened an indoor teaching facility and uh, mm-hmm. he allowed me to teach there. And, you know, I, I, I look back on my career now as you know, that couple of years teaching indoors with TrackMan and all this different technology was really the probably the biggest developmental years of my life. Uh, That's when I really, really learned how to teach because obviously I'm teaching everybody from complete beginners to, you know, decent players. And I think I learned a ton about teaching, you know, those complete beginners and kind of navigated that scene pretty quickly and was able to test a lot of theories and do a lot of research and things of that nature. And I think, you know, that, you know, that, that was probably 10, 12, 12 years ago, something like that, that ballpark. And, uh, you know, TrackMan wasn't widely available back then. We had one of the, probably the only one in Las Vegas and at that time. And so we were really learning a lot about 3d club movement and 3d body movement and, and all these things. And started to put, really started to put some things together that figured out, wow, you know, you can help any, you could really, if you understand these variables, you can help any type of player. And so from there, it just, uh, you know, I taught there for a couple of years and then um, moved to PPC Summerlin and spent, you know, spent a great deal of time there. Now that gave me exposure to better players, tour players. I started to develop a lot of great juniors, they would go on to college and have a lot of success. They were winning college tournaments, winning NCAA championships. And then that kind of, you know, I think Aaron Wise was a kid that I started working with in high school. And when he went on to win NCAAs, it kind of, you know, I kind of look back at that moment as kind of a snowball for me professionally. A lot of tour players started to take notice and start to reach out to me for information and and instruction. And then I think that kind of got the ball rolling for me being where I'm at and teaching on tour today.
0: Yeah, I I love that. And and I've always said, and I've said this to lots of people, like I, I think that the best teachers in the world really are the teachers that have the ability to take and develop young players and junior players all the way to the professional level. I've always believed that. I think that really is a test. Because when they're juniors, you've got to be able to develop certain fundamentals. And, heck, they're not very good yet, right? And you also have to learn to coach and mentor. And and, and there's so many things that you have to be good at along that journey. And I I just, shit, I have a ton of respect for you because of that. And that was how I kind of first started paying attention to you. I noticed you started seeing the Aaron Wise and those guys that were playing out on the West Coast. Yeah, I I knew a lot of the young folks from the Southeast, but like I just had a ton of respect back. And I also think that's one of the most important things personally that we do as teachers is, you know, the time that we give to develop those young people, whether they make it to the tour or not, I think we're doing something good, you know?
1: Oh, there's no question. I mean, you're you're building relationships that you'll have for the rest of your life. I, you know, I've got kids that I, that I worked with from 9 or 10 years old all the way through college, and you know, they would go on to not potentially play, you know, they would go to great schools and get great educations. And not everybody's going to play on the PGA tour, but I'm still friends with those guys and, and girls that that have gone on in the business world to be successful and get married and have kids. And, you know, those are relationships that y- you build, you know, for a lifetime. And, and I stay in touch with all of them and, you know, they're super excited for me and they see one of my players play well. You know, it's it's really cool to have that.
0: It makes you feel old, doesn't it, when they start having kids? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I mean, it does. (laughs) Like, you're like, hell, I remember when this kid couldn't even get a date. Now he's having a kid. (laughs) I mean, what the hell happened? (laughs) Uh,
1: It's (laughs) funny you say that because you, like, you know, when you start working with a kid and they're 15 or 16 years old and the next thing you know they're 25 and they're on the PGA Tour, your mindset doesn't really change and look at them like a 25-year-old. You're still kind of thinking of them as like a 15- or 16-year-old kid.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, hell, I mean, when did this flip, right? Like, all of a sudden, you know, what what the hell happened? You talked about you figured some things out with TrackMan and with the radar and all that stuff, and that you could help golfers of all skill levels. And I love that, too, because I kind of – the best thing that happened to me was, you know, I, like you, yeah, I started – I was a cart boy. You know, hell, I mean, I was—I lived in a place with no power for a few months. Like, I don't think everybody realizes that. Like, starting to teach golf for most people isn't glamorous. Like, we're not—we're <laughs> not like driving Benzes the first six months. We're learning to teach and and to be great at it. I think you got to spend a lot of years doing it. But I, for me, it was like I got a chance to teach at a beach store where I just had a mass of people that I could, of all levels, I could teach. You know, yep. and uh, as you get better, I think you get better by teaching and figuring things out. What were some of the things that you figured out? I mean, and I'm curious because I, when I talk with folks like you, as as much as we're on the tee together at a tour event, I mean, I'm always trying to learn from folks like you because I know I don't have all the answers, and I get fired every other week anyway. So I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to hear some of the things you figure out.
1: I would 100% agree with the statements you made that you get better. <laughs> you get better by teaching. And I look right. back at you know, you know, ten, eleven, twelve years ago when I had that indoor studio in Vegas. I remember you know starting out, opening this place up, and I was like, yeah, nobody really knows where we're at, or you know, nobody really knows who I am. How am I going to get people in here? I'm you know maybe I'm giving a couple lessons a day or whatever, and you know my buddy said, you know, you should run some kind of an ad or something like that. I, I was like, run an ad for golf lessons? Like, is that crazy? Like, I've never heard of anything like that. And he, and so my wife was like, she, she turned me on to this, she was buying these things called Groupons. I mean, just spending money left and right. I didn't know what the hell a Groupon was or anything like that. But yeah, so I ran this, I, I went on this thing and I ran this, this Groupon for lessons and, I'd never heard of it before. I didn't have a clue what it was other than my wife was buying these things for all these random, different random things. And I think it was like $22 for a lesson. And the next thing I know, I'm looking at this app and there's hundreds and hundreds of purchases. And I'm like, what the hell? How do I turn this thing off? And it's like, I can't teach all these lessons, you know? And the next thing you know, I've literally got like 500 lessons to teach, <laughs> and I'm doing, I'm teaching. It's an indoor studio, so like I, I can turn the power on whenever I want. You know, I'm literally yeah. teaching tw- 12 to 15 lessons a day in this place, and the sheer volume of instruction that I was giving, like it, it taught me so much about how to problem solve the golf swing, because you know when you're teaching ranked beginners. Like, yeah, there's some similar issues in there, but there's so many different body types and levels of coordination and flexibility and, you know, just concepts that that people really don't understand. And so for me, the big takeaway or the big thing that I developed during that time frame was really understanding what I call matchups in the golf swing. And, you know, how would I describe what matchups are? If you look at any of your favorite players on the PGA Tour, their swings all look probably a little bit different. And they've got certain characteristics in their swings that are matching up with certain things that they're doing that are allowing them to function at the highest level. You know, so, for example, a guy like John Rahm has got a very short backswing and a bowed left wrist. Well, he's got some pressure shift and pivot characteristics that allow that to work for him. And then you got a guy like Matt Wolf who's way up and across the line with a huge turn and he's got some characteristics in his swing that are matching up with that to make that functional. And so during that time frame, I was really able to sort of dig in and understand each of those matchups to where I felt like any type of player that came to me, I could help them. Whereas before that, I didn't have that capability. I was teaching basic concepts that I was just kind of plugging everybody into a swing model that aesthetically pleasing looking swing, if you will, you know, drawing right. the lines on the screen, trying to make everybody look like Adam Scott or Tiger Woods or, or whatever, you know, teaching, you know, basic swing plane theory, get the club on plane, you know, move like this. And so that was when I really started to understand the golf swing on a higher level when I said, Hey, you know, these things can look different and they can function the same way all at a high level if you can put these pieces together for these players a little bit better so that's the time frame where I really feel like I got I got good at teaching
0: what are some influences that you've had on teaching have you had any people that you like as you go along like especially I think teaching on tour you you come in touch with more people that are good at what they do and and you know in different facets whether it's not just teachers, but different things. Like what type of things have, as you, now that you have access, because I think one thing when you start having success, you have access to more stuff that's cool, yeah. you know? Yeah. Right? I mean, For our sure. toys are cooler. What kind of things have you, as you've grown and you've gotten more famous and popular and had the success, what types of things have influenced you that you've had more access to?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a big, long list. I'll start with people. Yeah. Grant Waite had a had a tremendous uh, influence over me in a number of a number of ways. So Grant A was a was a world class player, and that was right. one of the things that I really really admired about him was the fact that he had the ability to play the game the way he did, and also understand it on the level that he understood it. And so Grant was a was a protege sort of of Mac O'Grady, um, mm-hmm. really really helped me understand swing geometry, things of that nature. But the biggest thing that Grant taught me was how to teach tour players. And I, and that sounds very generic, but what I mean by that is always having an understanding that anytime you're at a tour event, the players are always going to be like, help me, help me, help me, give it to me, Let, give me the information, let's, let's get into it, let's dig into it. But with, you got to have the understanding that they might be saying that on Monday or Tuesday, but on Thursday they, don't they don't have to you. go – They got to go tee it up for a living on Thursday. And so Grant helped me bridge that gap and understand how to structure, sort of structure lessons from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday so that by the time, you know, Thursday came around and the lights came on, these guys were ready to go compete. They were ready to go be instinctual and not necessarily be, you know, grinding on mechanics or being just completely lost in in what they were trying to do in the concept maybe that they were trying to execute so it was, maybe the week would start out pretty technical and then by tuesday or wednesday we would have it down to a simple feel maybe a rehearsal something of that nature and that was something that they could play with during the week so he really helped me refine that and you know so he, he was a huge influence over my my tour teaching in terms of my teaching philosophy i mean the technology trackman swing catalysts, different pressure plates, AMM, different 3D measuring devices where we're able to basically measure joint centers and ranges of motion and and things of that nature. There's been a lot of biomechanists who have had a huge influence over me, guys like Dr. Kwan, Sasha McKenzie, Stephen Nesbitt. There's a lot of great PhD level researchers Mm -hmm. in the game now that are shedding a lot of light on things like you know golfer applied forces on the golf club so you hear the term forces and torques a lot you know these PhD level researchers call it golf club kinetics and it's basically describing the forces that are inputted into the club via the golfer on their their hands on the handle of the club and so that understanding has pretty much become the I don't know the hallmark of, of my teaching and I always try to problem solve through that kinetic lens when I'm working with a golfer because I know that they all have different body types, different levels of, you know, ranges of motion and flexibility and strength and coordination and speed. And so, you know, having that understanding of of the golf club kinetics has allowed me to sort of problem solve those limitations that they may have in a
0: much easier way.
1: Yeah, kind of a that. long, I mean,
0: long answer. Long answer no, no, there to your think, question. no, no, but it's but it's good and it's interesting and and because uh, we all get to where we are in different ways and you know I, I started to you know I'd had some success but I started trying to my delving into biomechanics was more like I always thought of myself as like I'd go to some of these conferences and I I'd, I'd listen to a bunch of it and I was like well, I don't even know what the guy said and I'd be trying to figure <laughs> out like. I was I was always trying to figure out like why were some of the guys I was teaching getting good, and making sure it wasn't just dumb luck. You know what I mean? Because yep. like we all know if we get guys that are talented, some of them are going to get better, and uh, you know, and that's how I started going down the process. Like, well, you know, and and the guy I've become friends with, I'm, I'm sure I know you know Dr. Scott Lim. Like yeah. I started showing stuff. Like, hey, like why is this guy good? Like. You know, or what, is yeah. this really the right thing? And that helped my understanding. So I just I always like to hear how all of us got to where we're going. And what was your first big break as far as a tour player? Like, what was the first tour player that you really came in touch with and helped <laughs> and had success with?
1: Yeah, I would say probably Charles Howell III. Um, okay. So Grant Waite, again, this was at a time where he was transitioning out of playing and into coaching. And he had a pretty large stable of players on the PGA Tour at the time, so much so that at times I think he, uh, you know, couldn't quite manage them all at a tour event. And so he, he, you know, he brought myself and and Joe Mayo out on tour and said, "Hey, can you kind of help me with some of these guys?" And believe it or not, at the when I first started on tour, I was spending a lot of time teaching short game and putting. And okay. that was one of the things that I got into with Charles Howell was really kind of help trying to help him because he's always been a phenomenal ball striker right. with short game, short game and putting. So I spent a good deal of time with him, and then that you know, that kind of led to Scott Piercy. Scott had a huge impact on, on my career because I probably worked with him for the longest period of time,
0: about six years. He played, years. Off with he played yeah. phenomenal. There was a stretch there. He played really damn good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he got inside the top 25 in the world. You know, finished second at the U.S. Open behind Dustin Johnson in Oakmont. Like there was a lot of great things. I mean, Tour Championship. You know, several years there. Scott was a, is a very very talented player, uh, naturally talented, and he was a great challenge for me as a coach because he had a swing pattern that did not need did not require a lot of work or maintenance. It my goal or challenge with him was keeping him in the same spot over an extended period, period of time. There was never a let's reinvent the thing here kind of relationship with him. It was like, wow, you do some things incredibly well here. And when your body's feeling well, you're usually staying in these spots. And when you're you know, when your body's not in the best of shape or we're nursing an injury or something like that, you start you start getting in these weird tendencies. And so with him it was You know, he basically gave me sort of a reputation on the PGA Tour because this is well before Aaron Wise is is out on on the PGA Tour. So Scott was very accomplished. A lot of people were taking note and seeing him play well while we were working together, and that also started to open some other doors for me with with other players.
0: Yeah, it's funny how that works. You make somebody good out there, (laughs) other people want to go to you, huh? (laughs) you got a great stable of young players. You know, I'm familiar with. Uh, a bunch of them. Obviously, Davis Riley, you've done an awesome job with. I spent a little bit of time with Davis when he was in high school and first part of college, and he's such a great player, but a great human being, and you've done an awesome yeah. job with him. And it's fun to watch all the good young players you have. I, I mean, that's more what I look at. You know, I'm always looking at guys with good young players because, you know, they're doing some good stuff.
1: Yeah, you know, for me, that's when I look back at my career, that's going to be the thing that I sort of measure the success or failure of is, with, you know, how many kids did I get to college? And of those kids that went on to college that wanted to play professionally, how many of those did I help get to the tour? And then of those that got to the tour, how many, you know, were, you know, were able to win and, and sort of play well at tour level? And so that pipeline of development is something that I've, you know, put a lot of time and energy into and something I'm really proud of. Right. I'm not, you know, at this point in my career, you know, it's, it's such a small network. You know this, being out there every single week on tour. We it's the same guys every week. It's the same faces every week. So it's a it's a really small fraternity out there. And there's a lot of guys that are that that are out there that might be struggling week to week. It's it's amazing how many tour players have just come up to me and be like, "Hey, do you have time to look at me this today or tomorrow?" And I'm, you know, I don't even know them. And so you know, I really value the fact that you know, I'm able to kind of pick and choose who I work with at this point and putting energy, my time and energy, which is a very limited, you know, resource into these players that are sort of in that development pipeline. It's the thing that I really get the most joy out of in terms of coaching. There's a lot of loyalty there from the players. And to be quite honest, this day and age, it's the thing that I I look for the most when I decide whether I'm going to work with somebody or not. It's it's, A, do they believe in me? The, do they believe in the information? Will they do it? You know, will they put in the work to to, to actually make a change? And then will, will they stick to it, you know, for the long term? And, you know, I'm fortunate if you look at the guys that I work with, I've been able to work with them for a long time. So Patrick Rogers going on three years, you know, Aaron Wise is six or seven years, you know, Scott Piercy, five or six years, you know, all these guys have, makes it so much more enjoyable when you have that long history and relationship with them because there's more buy-in, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, there's more buy-in in what you're trying to do and you're, you're working on something together.
0: Right. And I think loyalty goes a long way. And I think that's one thing when you're out there that like, it's more fun with the people you brought up because they have bought India and they believe <laughs> in you and, and and they're also to me they're it happens but they're quicker to let you go when they play bad for a month, right?
1: Because sure, of course.
0: There's a different relationship. And, and I say because no matter how good a job you do or I do, with everything that goes on with a tour player shit, they're gonna play bad for a month at some point. <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah, there's
1: there's so many things, you know, outside of golf that affect their golf that they could be doing all the right things on the course and be playing mm-hmm. terrible because of other outside factors.
0: 100%. Absolutely. That's the biggest thing I learned out there. I think when I went out there and I was naive, like all I thought, you know, hell, I'm just teaching this guy to swing the golf club. Because then you start realizing all the stuff that's behind the scenes that affects how they play and ultimately affects your job and how you're judged. And it's, I mean, yeah. that's a tough part sometimes, you know?
1: I mean, you know, every coach has got to put themselves in the player's shoes and try to yeah. operate, you know, from that vantage point because, I mean, dude, golf's a lonely sport. At the highest mm-hmm. level, at the PGA Tour level, I mean, it's it's unlike any other sport. Like, there's no one to to come bail you out when you have an off day. You just got to go right. out there and suck it up and and play bad and be able to to, <laughs> to 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 deal with it and 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 overcome it. Whereas in other sports, you know, if I'm a if I'm a left guard for the Patriots and I'm not feeling <laughs> that great, doesn't really matter. I mean, Tom Brady's still gonna bail us all out you know, back in the day. And, and so there's nowhere to hide in golf. So, you know, when you put yourself in or try to put those yourself in those players' shoes, you know, I, I never played on the PGA Tour. I've never hit a shot in a PGA Tour event. So I don't know what that feels like. But I've been around these guys enough to understand and try to sympathize that there's a hell of a lot of pressure that they're under, you know, to hit these shots. And understanding that mental part of the game is – where I'm trying to mostly evolve now as a coach, and I think it, it makes me better. No question.
0: Jeff, yeah, this was fun. I, I, one, I know how busy you are, so I appreciate you taking the time to sit with me. I've enjoyed the opportunity to watch how all the great things you've got going out there, and I uh, appreciate you sitting in and look forward to doing it again, and hopefully we can grab a beer at one of these events down the road.
1: Yeah, buddy, thanks for your time, and I uh, hope I'll see you soon here on the playoffs.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of The Tour Coach. I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab, as well as my sponsors Shrixon, Buick, Bushnell, and Vineyard Vines for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Dew Sweepers channel on YouTube, as well as the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, or go to Dewsweepersgolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.